Okay, so hello and welcome to yet another episode of Babble. Um, today's guest is Tom Bundy. How are you, Tom? Hello, yes, I'm all good. Thanks for having me on, really appreciate it. I know, we got there in the end. How long has it taken us to actually get to this stage? <laughs> well, uh, well, 41 minutes today messing around with computers and about two <laughs> weeks messaging on Facebook, so... Know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be a good idea if the podcast host could actually use Zoom and set everything up. <laughs> yeah, you can't be good at everything, though, so that's all right. No, I really want to uh, thank you for, uh, you know, allowing me the time to, to interview you today. Um, so let's talk about um, lockdown first. I know it's all easing up, but lockdown, how has that been for you? Like, have you, have you been still keeping busy? How have you, have you been, have you been using your time wisely? What's it been like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, I've heard a lot of business people say it's actually been a real constructive time because what you do, I spent about literally about a week going over possible different P&Ls and overheads and adjustments that I could do to, for about four different situations as to how my tree, because my tree company is my main income and it's my biggest company. Mm-hmm. Um, all these different situations as to how it could pan out in, in the worst case situation and a few different grades. So I spent a lot of time doing that. I then basically went into putting it down to a core team who, and I put all my managers on furlough and I worked on a lot of systems so that it not only made it easier during the lockdown, but after we return, all those systems can still be used. So it wasn't just wasted time just to make do because that's what I think that's what a lot of people have done. They've been like, Oh, we need to survive. And they've just spent three months stressing, but I've just spent three months trying to work on things that I know will follow over. And otherwise it's just wasted time, isn't it? It is. Wasted Amazon purchases with packages arriving <laughs> left, right and centre. What hey, the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, I I've got a few questions for you. Did you buy a hot tub on lockdown? <laughs> Did I buy a hot tub? No, I nearly bought a pool though. And I put a deposit down on a boat, but I pulled out at the last minute because I got told off. <laughs> Did you learn how to bake banana bread? <laughs> no, I didn't. Trends. Oh my God. It's been hilarious. I know. But yeah, lockdown, I think, like you say, if you've used it wisely, if you've used your time wisely, then it can be a good thing. And I think particularly for a lot of families, it's been a time to sort of like bond and stuff as well like because you can live these like hectic lives where you're all running in and you're like ships in the night and I think it's been quite quality time for people or maybe not to be able to split in or left right (laughs) yeah I'm not gonna lie I I it hasn't been quality time for me because I've been trying so hard to to do everything else but my wife's pregnant and she's got about three weeks to go oh my god I my thought was put a lot more time in prior to that prior to the baby coming so yeah. that when the baby does come I can have the quality time then, time then. You know mm, I mean? that makes sense so, no yeah. of course that makes sense so you're gonna be a dad is it second time over second time over yeah it's uh it's good. I must admit I'm a bit anxious but mm-hmm. it'll be okay it'll be fine and it's all those sleepless day. nights again yeah I know <laughs> And it's just going to be a mini me, so I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> do you know Do you know what you're having? Yeah, it's a boy. It's a boy. Because you've so. got a girl already, haven't you? So, oh, perfect. Yeah. One of each. 
one of each it's ideal here's me i've got three girls never happened for me to have a little boy oh uh, no you're one of those people i hate yeah. are you gonna keep going or are you stopping there no i am not gonna keep going i'm done i'm done <laughs> so right. so tom just tell us a little bit about yourself then give me some background history on you who you are sort of like you can take me back as far as you want if you you know if you like yeah, um, I'll try not to go on too long, but um, I I mean, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I did terrible at school, failed all my GCSEs. I actually lied about my GCSEs to get into college and kind of, <laughs> and that worked. Um, so I managed to get on the course that I wanted. Um, it was so impractical because again, I wasn't too theoretical at the time. So I really didn't get on with kind of forced education. I like you know when you can kind of dive into what you want but not when it's structured in the way that schools are um anyway went on did a tree surgery course which was one of the only ones that i could really think hey a kid you know you're a boy you can climb trees for a job why not <laughs> um <laughs> did that and then the recession kind of came in when i was leaving college so i moved up to liverpool and manchester to uh for a job basically to do the work and then i got scouted from a company because i started competing in tree surgery um competitions where you swing i didn't even know that was a thing i know karen brady said that i was like yeah i've done all this i've done it and she's like is that even a thing (laughs) but it is but But, um i got scouted by a company in sweden went out there and worked across europe came back decided to set up a company um for a few reasons um did so and then the rest is history really kind of built up the company i think i was 21 when i started started as a one-man band and um yeah just just built it up to multiple staffs and um from there i've created a few other little companies and i've started the property portfolio which i'm sure you know me about oh Um, i don't know about that mate i'm not sure about that (laughs) um so yeah really really basic that's kind of my background and i think i i'm a uh, extremist so whatever i do i have to do it more than 100 percent. otherwise my brain just doesn't function so uh, i started with basketball when i was younger i played for southampton then i climbed for europe for uh, i climbed for the uk in the european championships then i went into business and my passion was business and um yeah and I, i've just not stopped because there's every every way you can go in business it's just a non non-stop ride of emotions and terror (laughs) (laughs) and you're a a leo aren't you so you're highly ambitious you're a natural leader we saw that when you're on the apprentice as well you were you you i think you were better as a leader than you were when you were part of the team kind of thing i think you leading you did better that's just my personal opinion but yeah Uh, thanks for that thanks yeah i heard a lot of people um that kind of contacted me saying that basically they thought I was really level-headed, but I didn't jump on people at the wrong times, which That's right. may have helped for that. But yeah, that was, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I like working as a team, but I like having the final say. 
<laughs> so I, you know, I'll take on everyone's great so ideas. Basically, you're a woman. <laughs> um, so just talk a little bit about Sweden. Sweden's a country I've always wanted to go to. It's on my bucket list. Um, I don't know why. I just I absolutely want to go there. Did you live out there when you were doing your course on tree surgery out there, or did you just were you just there for the the duration of like the course? No, so I um I trained in the UK and then I basically went out there as a climber. So I went to wow. Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. But I spent most of my time in Sweden, in Gothenburg and Stockholm. Wow. And um it was amazing. If if you if you're thinking you want to go there, you need to go there. I but know. you should yeah, the cities are actually really good. They're a lot better than the cities in the UK where you know, some of the high streets in the UK, you wouldn't even know where you are because it's the same thing, just mirrored. Whereas over there, there's quite a lot of culture and the rural kind of like settings are just amazing. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was good working there. It was kind of like in the winter, minus 21, you had to dig your car out of the snow. No way. And yeah, it was, it was insane. It was, um, I think if I could pick my life up and plonk it somewhere with all my friends and family and everything I've got going on, it'd definitely be there. Well, like my husband's Norwegian, so oh, like nice. Norway is um, very close to Sweden, but I just never gone to never got Sweden. Like, what is going oh. on? I need to get my ass over there. But yeah, yeah when yeah. I saw that you, you you were there, I was like, wow, that's amazing. But yeah, so let's talk about um, the apprentice then. Obviously, um, not how we connected, but um, I connected with you through property. But obviously, I know you were on the apprentice. Oh, I love it so much. Like, you have no idea how much I love that show. And uh, you were our favourite. We wanted you to win. We were like, come all the way. Um, why did you decide to go on it is my first question. Um, do you know what it was? I'm going to be totally honest with you. I, I've never applied for anything like that before. And a friend's wife said, Tom, you... I think you need to try this. She was a bit hippie-ish. And I was like, I don't know. She was like, you love business. And I think, I was like, nah. Anyway, I sent off this form. She sent me the link. I sent it off. They invited me to London. And I didn't realize my secretary deleted the email thinking it was spam. <laughs> and yeah, and for, for like a few months. And then I was interviewing an apprentice for my company uh, the week before the date was for that interview, which I didn't know at the time. <gasps> I typed an apprentice because I was trying to find the, um, you know, the person. Yeah. And it came up and I had a night booked out on Friday and it was on the Saturday morning and I thought I'm not going. Went out on the Friday, got absolutely smashed. And then I told someone and his wife weirdly was going up to London the next morning and she made me go with her. And I, I went up there and I looked at the application form on the train going there God. and it said, you need a business plan. Uh, and I was like, shit. And I was, you know, when you're like absolutely hanging, yeah. I had to find a pencil for someone on the train, line paper. I scribbled down something, got there, and there was 6,000 people in a queue in London because they, do, they, they break it down to 6,000 in London, 6,000 in Birmingham, 6,000 in Manchester. And then they obviously picked the 16 from there. And I was just like, this is the worst thing ever. You had all these toffs there in like a three-piece suit. Yeah. And I was just there like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and, you know, I handed over this paper and... <laughs> Stinking was, of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it just went from there, really. And it was just, uh, they just kept putting me through, putting me through. And I think they probably liked where I was quite genuine and where I didn't need it or I wasn't so nervous that I wanted it. I think that probably helped. Do you know what I mean? You, they saw something special in you, didn't they? That's, yeah. that, that's, that's what it comes down to. You can well, say, I'm special. <laughs> so it was like just that one time that you applied and you didn't really apply you kind of like a lot of things i think a lot of people get into these tv shows exactly how you've said they fall into it or they happen to get into it whereas all the people that are so desperate to get into stuff they're the ones that just can't keep missing and missing don't they so you just fell into it and that relates to business as well i think like for instance with the um with the process going through you had people that were so focused on trying to achieve something yeah. that they had no personality and nothing about them, which meant mm-hmm. people didn't want to work with them or put them on the show and bring them through. And yeah. I think, you know, that, that definitely relates to business and life in general. No, absolutely. Was there a time when you, in the whole application process, when you thought, you know what? You know, you got home to your missus and you went, I'm in with a chance here, babe. I'm in with a chance here. Is that, did that happen? Um, when I found out that there was 80 people left. <gasps> yeah. Process, I was like, I'm in. I'm Yay! in. <laughs> if, if, like out of 16,000, you're like, uh, I know I'm confident and I know my abilities, but, you know, but when it got down to 80, I was like, yeah. But... I didn't know, and then I did get on, um, but lead from them telling me I was on until the actual show, I didn't think, I thought they were going to look into my past and find some stuff out and not allow me on. That you lied about your GCSEs. <laughs> Basically, that you were a crook. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. But, um, but they, they didn't, and they let me on, and the rest is history, so it's all good. They probably like your cheeky side. I think I remember you were really cheeky the whole way in the show. Oh, I, think, I, 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 think I, Karen, I think Karen had the hearts for you. <laughs> I, was <laughs> I, I was the one that got told off the most in the house, and so much so it got reported through to Lord Sugar, and he had to have a word with me off the camera. So yeah. Oh dear. What was it like living in the house? It was. Um, it was great. It was basically like this lockdown but an extreme it's like an extreme rehab because you're not allowed any contact no tv no radio no newspapers no no nothing you're allowed a five minute call once a week with your family what other than that you're totally cut off from everything because they don't want you to have any influence from the outside world um but where i run like multiple businesses and i've got you know family and so much going on for me, I got in there and I was like, oh my God, this is like relaxing. This is <laughs> zen. Yeah, yeah, zen, because you're just there and you're like, ah. Oh. And a lot of people were like, oh my God, this is so stressful. And I was just like, this is the opposite of stress. All we have to worry about is what we're doing. Not like, but then a lot of people in there were like, you know, 21, 22. So they hadn't experienced what actually running a business entails. So, um, yeah. You were, one of, you were one of the golden oldies, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. I was only 27. Seven, 20, yeah. 
was 27 at the time. And um, yeah, I mean, you, I think three of them were older than me and the rest were younger. It's crazy. <laughs> I know, I felt young until I got into there. <laughs> how, how was it emotionally? Did, you, did it affect you emotionally? Like being no. cut off from anything? No. No. You're just a no. stone. You've got no I, um, feelings. <laughs> yeah. I, to be honest, my, my daughter lives in uh, Billingham. She did live in Landudno. So for like, and she's nine now. So for nine years, I've been used to distance. Um, and where I lived away from home, I was used to distance from like friends and family. And business isolates you anyway. So yeah. being in a house around 16 um motivational and kind of determined people kept you occupied and I think um yeah it was probably harder for my for my partner and my mates and stuff than me <laughs> so yeah yeah but they, I suppose they get to see you every week and oh no it would have been before uh, no yeah they wouldn't see you every week would they because it's filmed and then it's aired oh my gosh that was hard yeah crazy but you've married her now so you might have doing Iceland didn't you yeah, yeah. Well, Finland. That looked, I think that looked like it was the Northern Lights. That looked like just yeah. like a magical fairy tale wedding. It looked beautiful. It was nice. It was. Um, it was great. Cold. To oh yeah, cold. <laughs> we had like 40, 40 of our friends and family out there, and it was just like a week of partying, drinking, going out on the town, and just doing that, riding dogs and sleds, and yeah, wow. crazy. I did the total opposite. I got married in Jamaica. Like, I twerked. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so we did the same, like 40, 45 of us went to Jamaica. Um, but again, just total party hard yeah. and then like got married and then like it was it was weird. But so we it's went more me, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You don't feel like you've got married. You're like, oh shit, yeah, I got married. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd recommend it to anyone because what's the point in having like 100 plus people, half of which don't really give a fuck about, or you go away, it's cheaper, and you get a week's holiday having a longer enjoyment of time. So. Yeah, we, we booked ours as well. We, our wedding was smack bang in the middle of the two weeks that we were away. So we were tanned, we looked like goddesses. We were just absolutely <laughs> balling. <laughs> so going back to the apprentice then, what was your favorite challenge on there and why? Oh, favourite challenge. Um, do you know what weirdly was the funnest challenge was the uh, TV one? Because yeah. even though I went out on that one, because I I think I was TM for a third time on a... Because basically what happened is... Yeah, you, you, you were... I, it, was, it was your third... Third. Yeah, third. I don't want to yeah. make it past two... Uh, what do they call it? PMs. PMs, yeah. PMs as losing onto a third. And he put me through because I can't, I've only watched the show when it was on TV. I haven't rewatched really it. But when uh, the, the first time we lost and I was in the, uh, in the boardroom, I said, don't let me go. I'll prove myself. I'll be the top salesman. And then he kept me in. And then even though we lost, for the following four weeks, I was the top salesman out of both teams. You were? So, and they, they showed it for some and not for others because they generally focus on who's going out that week on the edit. Um, so when it came to it, I, the, the, even the second time losing his PM, I knew I wasn't going. But the third time I was like, 
if I'm in the final five, I need to win as a PM. Otherwise, it's pointless. So it's all or nothing. Like again, like I'm saying, an extremist. It's all or nothing. Yeah. So I um so I put myself forward, and obviously we lost, and I had to go. But it was really weird hearing the response from him on because he says why everyone got fired, and he didn't say anything negative. He just said, "Oh, the girl set him up." And I was like, I need closure. That's not closure for me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think from my experience of watching it, there's you and there's another guy. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember his name. Daniel? He was in the last one that was recorded, the last oh, episode. Okay. And he was like, he's like a London boy. I think he was Tom, Tom Skinner. Tom Skinner, that's it. And very similar. I could see Lord Sugar's face looking at you and him. When he, when you were fired, he didn't want to. You can tell it was almost like it was an obligation. I know. You know yeah. what I mean. And I, I feel like it's a shame, man. Like I think they should. I think they should do one where, like, all the really good ones who are fired out of obligation go back <laughs> and, <laughs> and then oh, and then no. just let me on it as well, just for the fuck of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take. <laughs> Yeah, I'll yeah, let, yeah, Amanda can come on it as well because I know Amanda. Um, but yeah, so like, that's a good idea. You should pitch it to him. Yeah, I will. I'll send him an email. So, <laughs> what's what's Alan Sugar really like? Because we like us homies sitting at home on our sofas with a bag of chocolate buttons and we're watching it. We see kind of like this. I could, I could, I suppose I could liken it to, to Karen and stuff as well like we see their kind of TV face what are they really like as people like did you get to know them and stuff like did you socialise with them a little bit no no they used oh. to the no they used to do that on the first few seasons but um, they started to he started to get attached to the candidates which, which made it harder for him to obviously be quite argumentative in the boardroom and be direct with oh, people. Right. Got you. So he decided, I think it was him or the production decided to change it up. So we only ever saw them, well, Lord Sugar in the boardroom, but Karen and Claude we talked to quite a bit. Um, but Karen is the wittiest person and very sharp. She's one of the sharpest people you ever meet. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a massive feminist and I haven't got anything wrong with that, but I have when it's not equal, when she try and put females over males. And that's the vibe that everyone got mm-hmm. in the show. And I think uh, Claude is amazing. He's funny. He is so soppy when the cameras aren't on him. He's the nicest guy ever. He does look like that, like a like yeah. granddad, like a nice granddad. He is. Yeah, <laughs> he is. I, I do love Claude. And then I really do like Claude Sugar because he is... He's direct and I'm not one of these people that obviously I'm chatting a lot now because it's a podcast, but I don't generally go on and on and on. I just like to stick to the facts, figure out what we're doing, make a decision and make something happen. And I think that's very much so what he does. And a lot of people that get on the show don't have that perspective and they talk for the sake of talking, which puts themselves into a hole. <laughs> that's totally what I do I'm learning I'm learning from you today <laughs> but um, there's nothing wrong with talking but I think let's just say in that situation you need to know to stick to facts be quick otherwise he will eat you alive and that's what he mm-hmm. did a lot so mm. 
you see it happen a lot to them, don't they? They're trying to talk their way around it. And he's like, no, yeah. this is what happened. But it, I, and again, you know, the, the point of the show is to relate to business in real life. And a lot of the younger guys hadn't really been in business. They've only had an employed job and they've not experienced that. So I think that was just a benefit through me being a business owner before. And, you know, I think in life in general as well, it does my fucking head in when you get someone sending you nine emails over something they could sum up in one email or you have to have a phone call where people talk clients talk for about 10 minutes and again they could sum it up in 30 seconds and the problem is is that obviously when they're clients and you're taking money from them you can't really <laughs> butt in and be too rude but there needs to be a point where you do and i think they respect it when you do so let that be a lesson i suppose to everyone <laughs> <laughs> what was it like actually i'm gonna do it tom bundy you're fired what was it like is it like is it scary or do you just think do you know it's coming is there a point where you think oh my god he's gonna say right now i knew it was coming because it was the third time as pm so like i said it was all or nothing so i wasn't scared then it settled in in the evening because where you've got so much around you for months because it's again there's months prior to the show it's quite a lead up so when it's all done and dusted and you're in that room and you're like oh it's done now and i go back to normality and that that's when it sinks in and it's quite hard which is why you i mean why you hear all these uh reality tv shows and the depression the suicides and don't get me wrong i was fine um but i certainly understood how people can get in a hole after having the limelight for so much and then just going back to normal life. Because a lot of people give up their lives, their friends, their jobs to these shows. Luckily mm-hmm. I had stuff to come back to. So that must be even more daunting for, you know, for people in that situation. Oh, absolutely. Are you still in any contact with any of um, the other contestants? I know you and Khadija do quite a bit in property and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. is there anyone else that you, if you, who was your like, who's your, who's the one that you like really gelled with? Um, I think I really gelled with Sarah Ann, who was the one with the piercing. She was yeah. like from north. Um, I, I think we were just the best. (laughs) We were, we were just on the same level. Do you know what I mean? I think um, she, she was, she, she was just amazing. She was genuine. She wasn't backstabbing. She was loyal and she'd say it how it is. And that's what I like about someone because in there it's like a fucking shark. It's it's like you're in the water with sharks. Um, So even though people are nice, they will go behind you and they will you and you need to know how to react to it but I think she was one of the ones that you know was a bit more like myself so yeah I, I really did gel with Sarah but again Khadija massively get on with Khadija um, Daniel um, really get yeah. on with Daniel as well um, so and Jackie I made great friends with Jackie as well so yeah and to be fair I could keep naming them since the show's finished I really get on with Jasmine but in the show I was quite oh yeah you were head to head with Jasmine a lot weren't you yeah but she, um, outside of the show, yeah, we've become quite good friends, which has really surprised me, actually. But we've got a WhatsApp group where we all talk and stay in contact and meet up and go out and stuff. So, yeah, it's quite That's fun. nice. That's nice. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, so, 
moving on to sort of like you now what's your plans moving forward and we'll talk about property in a moment and like where you're at with that but like so just talk me through what businesses you've got going on and where you see those going and what else you want to add into that and stuff like that where are you at the moment yeah sure so uh my main business is my tree surgery firm sure earlier Mm -hmm. so we i've adjusted the business model which i'm really really happy i did last year we were at kind of 25 staff and i brought it back down to 13 and um decided to kind of i don't want to go into it too much because it's not really relevant to a lot of people listening but i changed it so that it was a real low overhead with maximum profits and in a real non-vulnerable situation with a spread out client base. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's done amazing. Since, since I've done it, changed it, changed the management structure, um, that is doing really well. And my aims for that, if I could sum it up, would be to create it so that it was a passive income and I didn't need to be there all the time. And I'm, I'm, I'm there to an extent with it, um, but, I want to stay involved for the minute. Um, and it's hot. It's a it's a tough one, isn't it? When you you've got your own company, you want to let go because you want to free up some of your time. Yeah. But also, it's almost as if it's your baby, and you want to like. Be, it's it's difficult to let go. Do you think? Definitely, and I think. The, pr- the problem is, uh, I mean, this is in the trade industry. It's unlike, let's say, recruitment or corporate, the corporate world. The salaries can't be what they should be for management, um, etc. So, for instance, I can bring someone in on 150k salary to run a certain element of the business because the the, the margins all wouldn't tally up. Mm-hmm. So that that brings a big problem with the fact that you have to find people that are satisfied at the salary they're at, contributing to what you want it to be for that role, whilst knowing that you can't always bring in necessarily who you want to, it, yeah. it, if I'm making sense. Um, so again, it's you're always learning in business and you just have to adjust to the times, adjust to your industry and make sure that like you said to me earlier, all your eggs aren't in one basket. You want whatever business you're in, whether it's you've got investors and you're into property like yourself or you're into a trade or whatever, you need to be able to lose your top three clients, your top three investors, your top three, anything and still be okay. Oh, I need to write that down, <laughs> darling. <laughs> so I need to be able to lose my top three. Well, shit, is a bit the funny for last Oh, shit. So that's yeah. a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, well, it's simple. Wow. Business isn't complicated. It is simple. And people overcomplicate it and overstretch. And I think... Um, if you just find find yourself in that position, because it's very simple saying lose your top three clients, but there's a, there's so many things that means you have to have in place in order to be in that position. Mm. And it's kind of saying get all that shit in place so if it happens, you have a strong kind of base for what you're doing. Um, so, yeah. So, that's anyway, that's the tree surgery firm. I set up a, a business which... Um, it was crane-fed chipping, which is essentially big machinery. It goes on a lorry around the country and services lots of different um, tree surgeons. Put about 100 grand into it, and 
Yeah. You should have given it to me. I should have given it to you. <laughs> or I should have put it into property, <laughs> which is what you do. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I failed at that. I did it. I managed to pull back out about 80% of my money after about two years. Um, and I wouldn't change that for the world because what I learned from that yeah. was so good, so good on another level. And um, I think a combination, that was a trade, you could class that as a trade business, a combination of The Apprentice and that, and currently what I'm doing made me realize that whatever I'm doing next needs to be a product, which is i.e. property, which um, leads me on to the, the latest thing that I'm doing now. Well, so that's where I get excited. Exactly, same. <laughs> you, I mean, like you can tell from yourself, Amanda, that you're, you're doing well in property because you're passionate about it. And, you're, and if you're passionate about something, no matter what your skill set is, providing you can keep that momentum, there's, there's no stopping you. And I think um, I feel that, I really do generally feel that about property. It definitely gets me off. And uh, I think that, so yeah, my two focuses now are my tree surgery firm and uh, property. And then I have JV'd with someone doing a trade scaler, which is like a marketing company where yes, actually there's two parts to that business. One, um, it's websites, uh, it's marketing campaigns, which my business partner deals with. But then it's, actual software systems which help you manage your client base. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a P&L package which allows you to, because the problem in a lot of industries is they don't know they're not making money. They think money is theirs, but it's not theirs. And before they know it, they're in a situation. So that software is a weekly monitoring thing which helps them to direct decisions. And um, look, yeah, it looked really interesting, that did. Yeah, so there's a couple of things there which are that's that's really what I'm involved in with that company because it relates to my tree surgery firm and uh, all the years of experience as to if I can package it up and give it out to people, then it's uh, it's only going to benefit them, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, you did a couple of books as well, didn't you? On that, um, I saw them on the website. I'm going to buy them actually. Um, yeah. Break it down, scale it up, and scale it, don't fail it. I love that. Yeah. Good two good titles. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, I think the, the main point of doing those two books was the first one, breaking it down. Um, a lot of people are one-man bands, uh, whether it be whatever industry that they're in, they stay as a consultant, they stay as doing the work um, in, in trade or whatever it is. And... Yeah, fair enough. You make good money, better than you'd be employed initially, but you're going to reach a point either in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, where you're like, shit, if I'm not working, I'm not earning. And yeah, yeah I'm putting in loads of hours and getting great. So I don't have time. So that book, to get out of being a one-man band, break into uh, bringing people into your life um, around business and trying to escape it. Um, so yeah, so that's that one. And the scale it was... Uh, when you've got past that point, you've got one or two members of staff, is essentially how to go from there and just boom, go Set for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about your property now. Um, so how long ago did you start investing? Was it like a couple of years ago? Yeah, uh, maybe less than that. But um, Just under, yeah. I think it was a Yeah, I think it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I've been doing property for years now but only residential by 
flip residential buy flip you know Mm -hmm. so i knew that through doing that for the last few years i made a lot of money i think i hit the right properties at the right time so it just made me realize that there is so much to do whilst combined with what i was mentioned earlier is that unlike uh where you have a business where you have a team running they need constant attention to keep working whereas a property providing you set up in the right way in the right location for the right client base you know giving up a few percent for a uh, estate agent to manage it it's passive you know you don't have to consistently baby it and no. that's what attracted me to it to be honest with you um so yeah so started that up i have gone all in on um, a big HMO, which is near me. I've done four. Is that that seven bed one? Left. Seven that's bed one. Yeah. Uh, I've done, I know, lovely. And I am currently, I've got three offers accepted on properties, uh, which aren't HMOs. And I'm thinking of maybe putting one of them out and just doing two and a HMO at the moment. So I think I'm going to give you a call on some advice yeah. about that for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no i i think that property is one of the hardest industries is i'm sure you can appreciate out there i'm you know a couple of years putting my time and energy into it and yes i'm getting rewards but i'm only just starting to get to grips with how easy it is to lose your money how easy it is to invest in the wrong property and not have a good return but also that there's not one main goal for instance with business <clears throat> excuse me you, you know a lot a lot of the time the main goal is to build a business to sell it um, and you can say that across 80 percent of businesses out there but with property are you in it to build equity? Do you want to be a millionaire through building that? Do you want to have a certain per calendar month return that you know you know you can live off with your family and then possibly cover overheads for something in the future that you want to do? There's so many different, or you, again, you can sell a portfolio. You know, yeah. so, there's, so there's so many different angles that you can take, and it's really hard because yeah, you just need to get balls deep and get in there, but you need to have an idea as to where you want to go with those goals as well. I think. Yeah, I think for the first year that I started investing, I kind of like went in balls deep, but then I was stabbing in the dark a little bit because I was like, I don't really know where I fit in. Or I'd say, right, I'm going to invest here. And then I'd be at a networking event and someone would say, where are you investing? And I'd say, oh, I'm investing in Wolverhampton. And they'd say, oh, I invest in Shropshire. And I'm like, I'm going to invest in Shropshire. So I'd be just, like, I'd be all over the place. And I think yeah. once you've got your blinkers on, and once yeah. you don't compare yourself to anyone else and you don't, oh, it's, it's so, you know what, I'm saying all this and I, I'm, I struggle with it myself so much, but if you just don't give a fuck about what anyone else is doing and yeah. you stay on your little path, that's yeah. when you really start to kind of take some motion and, 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 and get where you want to be. But it's really difficult. Yeah. One thing I love about the property world though, and I, I don't know if you've experienced it so much, but the the, the the support network we're all really helpful and all like when you said like i'll give you a belt of course you can like i'll help you with anything and if i can't help you i know someone who can help you or that might do you know what i mean it's a nice yeah. support atmosphere yeah i think <clears throat> i think uh i found that as well through doing a few things with khadijah from the show that yes you, because I think she works well she does work at a progressive property progressive. Yeah. yeah and um 
I think, I generally think, because there's a lot of money in property, people are more willing. <laughs> and they're more, yeah, you know, you get a lot of businesses where people are so cagey and uh, it only, it's only a detriment to themselves. So I think um, I totally agree that there is so much out there to, to help you and guide you. And you, like you say, you just have to find yourself in the right circles. Of course you do, absolutely. And the, the, like like any business, there are sharks out there. Um, even if they've got fake eyelashes on, there are sharks out there. They will bite you. I've been bitten. I've got all the scars. I'll show you all my scars from property. But those scars are reminders because you see them all the time. And they're also like a warning, don't let that, because it's made me an absolute hard-faced bitch, property investing. Yeah, but you, ha- you have to be. It's good. You have to be. <laughs> Provided you can switch it off. Provided That's you right, yeah, because I'm a big softie, really. I'd give my last penny to anyone, but now I'm just like, like builders, I fucking hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We should write a book together, mate. It's a dirty, it'll be a bestseller. Uh, so I'm interested, Amanda. What's your what's your uh Hang on, whose show is this? Hey, I want to know. Come on. <laughs> what's my what? So what Don't forget I can edit as well. <laughs> <laughs> what what's your end goal with property? Go on. My end goal with property. Um yeah. It's to, be, it's to be a property. No, uh, I don't know. Like, I think one of my very first mentors, I'll just quickly tell you this, it's a really quick story. He, he was so knowledgeable. He knew everything about everything. And when I first started, it was all about how many properties I had. I had this yeah. kind of like, I want to get 50 properties. I want to get 100 properties by year three. I wanna, and I was really like how many properties I'd got. And one day I thought, I'm going to ask James, I'm going to ask him how many properties he's got. And we sat there in the meeting and we just said, uh, James, how many properties have you got? And he said, um, I've got one. And we were like, what? And he was like, yeah, I've got one. It's a 400 bedroom hotel in Mayfair. Right. And I went, right. He said, don't get so engrossed into what you've got, but it's yeah. what it makes you or it's what, you know, how much money you have got from that one property or whatever you've got. So yeah. and my, since that, since that day, my psychology changed. Yeah, it's good to have a, a large portfolio, but your, your journey can change. So you might have 50 houses and you decide to sell them and then buy three that maybe make you a hell of a lot more than those 50 did. So yeah. it's, that's something that I've learned as well. Like it's the mindset. You, your mindset and where you want to where you want to be. So right now, my strategy has recently changed. Actually, on lockdown, so uh, we were we were doing as many kind of commercial to resi stuff as we could. We were doing lots of flips and we were doing bungalows and we were doing HMOs and stuff. And I've just gone right. We're going to take an absolute total step back, and we're just going to do nice steady buy to lets a couple of months and. We're going to buy them in nice areas, nice villages, and we are going to not not so much for the cash flow, but just for the capital appreciation and, 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 and capital growth for eight to ten years down the line. So we're doing that, and this is what I say: like your your journey, you grow, your journey changes in property, as as, as the market does as well. I suppose you could say. So that's my strategy right now. I've kind of like slow down i'm getting old i'm 35 mate <laughs> i'm slowing down <laughs> you're still young come on now <laughs> oh my god yes yeah, so i'm ne- well i'm nearly 35 not just yet so yeah i'm i'm getting older and i'm just um i've got other things going on which i'll talk to you about off air but yes yeah, so i've got other things going on so yeah um i've got a lot going on so i'm just trying to kind of 
slow it down so that I can put more energy into the other things that I'm doing. Good. No, it's interesting. It's, that's the thing is that it's um, where you get to in life, you need to not just purely do what you're thinking of doing and focus on yourself. You need to actually listen to other people around you, like yourself yeah. and you will with you know, people around you because it's, it's quite um, interesting. You know, I met someone the other day that has just got a 20 million pound uh, investor, 20 million pounds for a HMO project he's doing. And it's because weirdly he was buying a vehicle from me from a tree surgery company. He had, I had nothing to do with him in the property world, but because I asked people and because I'm kind of like, you know, and, and that is something that is so valuable because yeah. it opens your eyes. Like, you know, like when I went in the show, you, it, they took me out of my comfort zone. They plopped me in London and I was just like, wow. And then when I came back to my house, I was like, this is a dead zone around here. There's nothing going on. Get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily get me the fuck out. But it was it was more um, it was more that sometimes what I'm trying to say is you can fall into a hole where you're being very efficient but only at a level that you know. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you need to um, see what other people are doing so so that you realise there's a lot of different options out there and you can kind of push forward. That's what I say. I, I use that very phrase, but in a different way. I say, uh, when I was an estate agent, I was a goldfish in a goldfish bowl. I was still around with the fish, but I was enclosed in a very, very tight little network. Yeah. When I started property investing, it was like someone had picked me up and put me in an ocean. And you're a little bit of stable at first. Whoa, this is massive. It's great. But you have to then go and swim and find where you fit in. And yeah. that's exactly that's exactly what it's all about, isn't it? Exactly. There you go. So I'm, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a little goldfish anymore. I'm not Nemo anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So listen, it's been awesome having you on Babble. Um, we've certainly done that. We've certainly had a good old Babble, haven't we? Um, just two more questions for you. Um, anything that you would do differently in life, if you could tell yourself something, like when you very first started out in business, what would you tell yourself? Like, what would you do differently or would you do everything exactly the same? that's um that's a really good question i think um i'm, I'm a confident person anyway and i've always been strong-minded but in a lot in you know within myself in a lot of certain situations i will would not so much now um think of what other people would think about me in that situation and i've i've kind of got to a point over the last few years where I don't really care and I've managed to excel a lot quicker because of that. Um, so I think if I were to go back and tell myself, um, you know, however many years, 15, 15, yeah, 15 years ago when I was 15, I'd probably say, you know, whatever people think doesn't matter is what you do that has an effect on what they're, what their conscience is and what their attitude is, it's around you. Um, so I think that, yeah, if I had some, if I had to pick one thing, it would probably be that. Did you know that that's exactly what my answer would be? Oh, there you go. Like it. <laughs> Seriously, because I was always like, what is someone going to think of me? What are they going to, how would they, oh, I'm, I've, I've posted that. No one's liked it. I'm going to delete it. 
like, yeah. what the fuck? I don't give yeah. a, I really don't care now. And I think that's maturity as well. Like you yeah. grow up and you, you mature and you don't give a fuck what people think. Yeah, and, and I think when you, as you get older, you realise that um, the people that are really real in your life, it doesn't matter what you do. If they disagree with you on something, they talk to you about it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's fine. And um, yeah, I, th- I think that it's something that a lot of people live their lives in a weird in a weird place in their heads and it's only detrimental to themselves. So, Yeah, 100%. So what platforms can people connect with you on then? When, where, how can people follow you on your wonderful tree surgery journeys and property? <laughs> um, What's so- the best platform to get you on? Yeah, main ones just Insta, like most people. Tom. I don't Tom, even think I don't even think I follow you on Instagram. You um, no, you went on Facebook to me, yeah, didn't you? I, I, mean, yeah. I don't use Facebook too much, but um, yeah, no, it's mainly, mainly Insta. Um, but then I've got a website for myself where you can contact me for work-related stuff. Um, so yeah, so mainly those two platforms. What are you on Insta? What's your Instagram? I think it's just Tom Bundy. Uh, if you just search Tom Bunday, B-U-N-D-A-Y, I'm pretty sure that will come up. You have come up. There you go. I am, I am now following you. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, so awesome. Thanks for your time. Um, I'm sure we will um, cross paths again in the future in business. Well, I hope so. If I can help you out or you can help me out, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Indeed. Um, and yeah, have a great day. Um, maybe we can go for a drink all as property dot when we're allowed to go to the pubs again. Fourth oh, <laughs> <no. laughs> of July, like my husband's going out on Fourth of July, so I've got the kids because he was like he he made sure he told me that like I think months ago that day I'm going out. <laughs> <laughs> but once we're allowed out, we'll all have to connect again. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, no, been, no. it's been it's been tough being at home hasn't it but yeah but yeah great thank you very much i wish you all the best and we'll speak to you soon and yourself see you later bye